The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Jesus has been surrounded by crowds. In the last few weeks' narratives, which precede this one, he is constantly surrounded by a crowd. He's constantly performing miracles. He's kind of harangued and he seems weary. And so today we catch him and the disciples retreating for a vacation. It's time for a little R&R. And so they have headed up uh, to the northern shore of Galilee, just at the border there of the Canaanite territory and in the region of Tyre and Phoenicia. It's beautiful along the shore of the sea. And actually, the city of Tyre is out on a little island. It's much like uh, Manhattan Island. And the people there have built houses and buildings taller than any place else in that part of the world. And uh, so like little skyscrapers. And it's all hustle and bustle. And it's alien turf. It's a foreign place where hopefully, I'm sure they're thinking they won't be recognized. A little time away from the crowds of Galilee, a place where they can be incognito and sit back and maybe sip some Mai Tais. But there is no rest for the weary in this story. Because even though we don't have the familiar crowds following him through Galilee, now he's being dogged by this local woman who has heard of him somehow, some way. And she's following along behind them everywhere they go. If you can imagine walking through a town or along a seashore and having some stranger yelling and calling after you for hours on end, and she continues this loud, obnoxious shouting, calling out to them, begging him, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. He tries ignoring her. The disciples do the same. 
they try shooing her away and I imagine they try just ditching her and ducking around corners because it's most unpleasant. And to make matters worse, she's a Canaanite. And they don't like Canaanites. The Canaanites are descendants of Canaan. Canaan was the son of Ham. Ham was the son of Noah. Canaanites are a cursed people. Everybody knows that. In the ninth chapter of Genesis, Ham sees his father Noah in his tent, drunk and naked. And Noah waking up and realizing that he embarrassed himself this way in front of his son Ham, issues a curse on his grandson. Cursed be Canaan, lowest of the slaves, shall be he to his brothers. According to Deuteronomy, the 20th chapter, the Canaanites are the people who worship false idols and who entrap other people in idol worship by marrying into the Israelite people, and they're also the people who practice child sacrifice. But we can also note that three of Jesus' ancestors are bold, brave Canaanite women. Rahab, Rahab, sometimes we call her, Tamar and Ruth. This woman also is a bold and brave Canaanite. Women are not supposed to speak to men in public, certainly not strange men. Only prostitutes would do that. So the disciples ask her to send her on her way, make her go away. But if he turns and he speaks to her in public, this other woman, well, then he honors her and he makes himself look like some sort of a fool. So he's in a conundrum. He turns to the woman and he says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's a rebuff, a dismissal. But it also tells us what he's thinking, that she is somehow beyond the scope of his mission and vision for ministry. His ministry, he still believes, is for just the people of Israel. The kingdom of God is for the, the Jewish people alone. To them he was sent, his own group. But this woman has everything to gain. She has nothing to lose. She's a desperate mother. So she seizes the moment and falling on her knees in front of him, she begins to plead, Lord, help me. It's the posture of worship, kneeling down, face to the ground, in a posture before a king. And Jesus seems to be, instead of flattered, rather annoyed. He's even a bit snide in his response. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. He actually calls them worthless dogs. And yes, his words are that harsh. People try to soften them. Oh, he was talking about puppies or the family pet. No, he's talking about the dogs in the street that follow you begging, hoping you'll drop something in your path. But the woman doesn't let his dismissal distract her. He may have his mission, but she has hers. And her mission is to save the life of her daughter, who is plagued by a demon. So rather than dismissing 
his words, she listens carefully. And then she responds with an absolutely brilliant argument. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She is accepting in that argument that the Jewish people are to receive God's kingdom first. And she doesn't presume to be invited to the table. But what about the scraps that fall underfoot? Call me a dog, <laughs> but remember this, the dogs get the crumbs. The piece is thrown away or carelessly dropped. And she seems to understand that uh, what the disciples and what Jesus and the Jewish crowds do not yet comprehend, well, Jesus comprehends it, but the crowds and the disciples do not, that when you're dealing with God's power, when you're dealing with God's power, it doesn't matter whether you eat from the loaves or whether you get the leftovers. It doesn't matter because the kingdom of God is so full of grace that even a crumb is sufficient. And it's an epiphany for Jesus. It's like the blinders fall off of his eyes. With her argument, all of a sudden he has this insight and his mission changes. Suddenly his whole perspective changes. In that one moment, he suddenly comes to the understanding that the kingdom is open to all people, people like us as well. That the grace and mercy of God are going to be for all people, not just the people of Israel. The Canaanite woman comes to Jesus with a great nothing. She has no Jewish faith. She doesn't necessarily know much about the God of Israel. She doesn't keep God's commandments as recorded in the Jewish laws. And yet she acts and she speaks with this surprising boldness and humility and truth because she is utterly convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's mercy is meant for her and her daughter too. Woman, great is your faith, Jesus tells her. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter is healed instantly. It's the only time in all of the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus calls anybody's faith great. In fact, usually, most of the time, when he's referring to his disciples, he's saying to them, you of little faith. In saying it, he is encouraging us to let our faith be bold, too. Ah, we may say, yeah, but we aren't like her. Charles Spurgeon, in a sermon many, many decades ago, saw that one coming. Oh, he says, you do not know who I am, somebody will say. I am an outcast. Well, so is the woman. She was a Canaanite woman, yet she obtained a blessing from Christ. Oh, but I don't think I'm fit. Did Christ ever say to you that you were a dog? Well, he did as good as this for that woman, and yet she held on to him by faith and prevailed. Oh, you'll say, but I have prayed in vain for such a long time. So did she. 
She prayed, and for a while, she received no answer. Oh, but I feel worse after I've prayed, we might say. <laughs> so did she. But instead of getting a comfortable answer, she heard Christ say, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the worthless dogs. But the devil troubles me, we add. And the devil also troubled her. She pleaded for her daughter who was possessed with a devil. And she kept on pleading and believing, Spurgeon says. And her prayer is answered with life and grace. Because of her courage and boldness and faith, Jesus sets a new kingdom table, a table where there is room for each and every one of us, Jew and Gentile, slave and free. We do not have to grovel and cower for crumbs, although crumbs would be enough, because we are God's invited and honored guests. And God sets before us a table 